Hey, this is Brian Wall with WorshipTutorials.com. You're listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. And we release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month. So if you haven't already, consider subscribing on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast on so you'll never miss another one. If someone hasn't already told you yet today, Merry Christmas. This is episode 21, and today's guest is Brian Wall. You might best know him from his YouTube channel, Worship Tutorials, that has over a half million subscribers and nearly 70 million video views, so a few more than the Practical Worship YouTube channel. He has been creating content online for almost as long as YouTube has been a thing. Now, this isn't the first time that we've talked about worship tutorials on the podcast. We actually talked with Brian's good friend and worship pastor, Brian Fuller, back in episode 15. And it's not uncommon to see Fuller make an appearance and share wisdom in a lot of the YouTube videos that Brian makes. But the reason why I wanted to have Brian on the podcast is to talk specifically about electric guitar. Besides playing electric at his church, he's made tons of guitar tutorial videos on YouTube. Plus, he creates these program patches that you can download and load into something like your Helix and get all the sounds from the original recording of a worship song. So from getting the right sound to working with other people in the band, Brian just has a lot of great experience and wisdom to share. We talk about advice for guitar players as they prepare for the weekend. We talk to worship pastors on how to best set up their guitar players to succeed. We even touch on a few controversial areas. So that's the conversation that we're going to have in just a minute. But first, I wanted to share with you the product of the month. Now, normally, this is where I would take a moment and talk about a piece of gear or technology or a service that I use that has made things easier or better in my worship ministry. But this month, I want to do something that might seem a little different. The product of the month this time is actually a book. It's called The Soul Felt Its Worth. It is a 25-day devotional based on familiar Christmas songs. So for each day, there's a song, you see the lyrics, it gives the history of where that song came from, the things that the original writer was thinking of and what they were going through. When you know the history, the song makes more sense. And then they tie that to scripture and give you some application that you can apply for that day throughout the Christmas season. And the two guys that wrote this thing are two guys at our church that lead and serve on our media team. They're the ones that put this thing together. And it's been really neat to see our church really rally around these two guys and this book and just all of the of the sales that they've made for that. And also I was talking with them. Their names are Cameron and Preston. And they were talking about how they see a lot of sales from people that are buying 15 copies, 20 copies. And that tells me that there are churches out there that are maybe like having Bible study groups or Sunday school classes where they're buying copies for everyone in the class and they're going through it together. Now, the reason I mention it here is for two reasons. One, I think it's really good research 
for us worship leaders as we're leading Christmas songs uh, this season. So there might be a song on your set list that's also mentioned in the book. It has a lot of history that you can read up on and then share that as part of the service and helping the congregation to know where these songs came from because it adds new meaning when you do that. So one, it's a great place for research for a lot of the popular songs that you're going to be singing this season. But two, we are all people that are believers, love Jesus, we all love music, and we are people that are, or at least should be, investing in our spiritual lives on a daily basis. And so if you're looking for a devotional to be going through this Christmas season, you should check this out. I'll put a link in the show notes to the book on Amazon so that you can get more information and read reviews and things like that. And as we mention things throughout the entire episode, we'll put links to those things as well in the show notes. You can find that at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 21. And now here's my conversation with Brian Wall. Brian Wall, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. It's good to be here. Here we are. We're starting to get into the the, the knee deep of December and mm-hmm. Christmas and all those kinds of things. Where, like, when does the Christmas tree go up? Are you like one of those people <laughs> that, like, as early as possible, you get into the Christmas swing, or do you push it far back as you possibly can? Yeah. So I have a six year old who who enjoys having the holidays, and uh, my wife likes to decorate, and I hate it. <laughs> How does that work? So the the tree goes up when uh, my wife says that she wants me to get it down from the attic. We have a fake tree up in the attic, so that's when it goes up. But is it like, is it before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? Usually the timing is right after Thanksgiving. We usually go visit family for Thanksgiving, come home, put it up. Okay. What about Christmas music? Like, what's your take on Christmas music? Because you're a guitar player. I feel like I have... Uh, I'm outspoken to my friends about this that I am not a fan of Christmas music. <laughs> I'm gonna get myself in trouble. I don't like holiday music. Why is that? Well, uh, there are a handful of songs that I like, but the rest of it, I'm just, I'm just never really been a fan. I don't know why. <laughs> so if I get in your car right now, it's not gonna be like the all Christmas station on the radio. No, you would, ne- you would never hear holiday mu- Christmas music in my car. Is there one song like, okay, this one song, this, this one's good? <laughs> there are two, uh, two songs that I absolutely love, uh, Christmas songs, and they are, uh, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Mm-hmm. I love that song for many, and I love a lot of different versions of that song. And Oh Holy Night, those are my two absolute all-time favorite songs. But everything else, you're like, meh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and O Come Emmanuel, I, I want to say we did on a, uh, at my church one year, we did it, so like Easter, Black Friday, we did it on a Black Friday service at Easter time. And it was awesome. If you think about the lyrics, the words of it, it really works well for uh, anticipating the resurrection. That's fantastic. That's a great idea. Yeah. And you could see on people's faces when we like started singing it and we did it like, you know, because it starts off, it's in a minor sort of a feel, right? So um, it starts very dark. And if you set the mood right, and then you sing, oh, come, oh, come, in, you know, and like everyone's like. Wait, wait a minute. What what time of the year is it right now? Right. <laughs> so, but it sort of takes people by surprise, and it's uh, it's really it was really cool. 
So I do love that song very much, not just because of the way we did that. But. Well, I think the other part of it, too, is that you're a guitar player, and Christmas songs always have like 400 chords in them. Yes, they do. Well, they're like they're like uh, hymns in that respect, that if you're going to play every chord change of a hymn, then yes, they're, it's difficult. <laughs> it can be very hard. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, and uh, you've been doing this thing called Worship Tutorials for, for a minute, you know, and mm-hmm. have this small little YouTube channel that I hopefully <laughs> I can, you know, that all the everyone that's listening to this podcast, maybe we can help you out a little bit and kind of raise that audience. But I wanted to have a conversation, like, specifically about playing the electric guitar in worship, and... You you know you've done a lot of YouTube videos where you have done tutorials on how to play certain songs. Uh, you've even uh, you know built patches for like Helix and and things like that. As far as like how to get different sounds, and so I wanted to have this conversation. Not so much get into the nitty gritty nerdy stuff that we like to nerd out like on strings and that kind of thing. Uh, we can put that in the show notes as far as like what your rig looks like. But I want to talk more about. Like as a guitar player, how you kind of fit in the band and 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 how you work together, and then if you're a worship leader listening to this, how you can work and best set up your guitar players to succeed. So that's kind of the conversation that that I want to have uh, in this episode. So let's start here. When you're going into a weekend to play, how do you prepare for that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so it depends. Now I approach it. So we use Planning Center. Uh, my church does, and um, we preach a lot here at Worship Tutorials that uh, worship leaders and church leaders should be getting music and planning out to their bands two weeks in advance. Our church is typically at least a month in advance, so I almost always have the uh, the songs that we're going to do via planning center uh, at least two weeks out. And I, I don't usually practice, like if I'm going to like for this weekend, I'm playing electric guitar this weekend, and uh, I like I didn't practice this weekend songs last weekend last week or something. I'm, I'm usually the week of, and for that we always have the song, and this is what we always tell people too: you need to have this for your people. You need the song you're going to play, the arrangement that you're going to play, like the version that you're going to do, what you're trying to emulate. Yes, what you want to have being played on Sunday at your church. You need to have it in the right key. And you need to have music for those things. So you need those four things uh, for every song. And if you don't, you're basically just asking for a train wreck to happen, which is not good because <laughs> nobody's going to know what to do. Um, and so my church does a, a very good job of that. Thank you, Pastor Brian Fuller. He's our global worship leader at my church. And so I will get the songs and I'll know that I'll hear the uh, arrangement that we're going to do. And if I can't hear the part within that arrangement, so you talk about knowing exactly what to play. Um, I always try and play the parts that are recorded on the album uh, as closely as I can. And if I can't pick out exactly you know, how I'm going to approach it from the MP3 that's in Planning Center, I use Rehearsal Mix, which is a, a service from uh, multitracks.com. And I don't, my church doesn't provide that. I just personally pay for it because I think it's worth it. And what you get is they have a humongous catalog of songs and they have every part individually so you can hear it. And so they elevate like uh, uh, mo- and the, the funny thing about electric guitar, we can talk about this, is like 
you know, there's five electric guitar parts and you can hear each one of them individually. Right. And so you as an electric guitar player, whether there's one of you or two of you, you got to figure out, okay, how am I going to take these five parts and put them into one that I'm going to play, which can be a challenge, but it, uh, but it's doable. So that's, that's my approach. If I don't know the song, um, if I don't know what I'm going to play, just listen to the MP3. I go to rehearsal mix and I, it, I really pick out what, the people who recorded that song are doing. So why do you do that? Why do you work so hard to emulate and just copy, you know, for lack of a better word, what they're doing versus saying, okay, I'm just going to do... Make up my own part? Yeah. Yeah, because these songs, I hear this all the time. Uh, people people say, I don't want to just copy somebody or let's make up our own thing. Let's do our own thing. And it to me, it comes down to, uh, to you know, the people who record these songs are way better musicians than I am, for one, that write and record. The people that write the parts are far better at writing parts and arranging songs than I am. And the people who record them and and mix them and put it all together, they're doing the arranging. They're way more talented than I am. And so I think (laughs) if I approach a song and think, I'm going to do my own thing, am I, you know, I'm saying basically like... uh, uh, I, I think that I'm better at arranging this part than the, this professional that did it, that gets does this for a living. Not that I'm necessarily saying that, but I kind of default to the fact that people who are really, really good at what they do have written these parts and arranged these parts, and they put them together in a way that best serves the song, uh, at least to the, what the artist had as far as their vision for what the song is going to be. So I sort of default to that level of expertise. And never mind the fact that if you come in knowing that part based on that single arrangement, you're going to have a keyboard player that's going to come in yes. that does their part and a drummer that comes in their part. And all of a sudden, all that stuff locks in together. There might be something that happens with the electric guitar that locks in with a groove that the drum is doing. And so if everyone kind of comes in knowing, OK, their part you're all locking in with an arrangement that has already been figured out. And then from there in rehearsal, if you want to like morph it into something else, everyone's on the same page. Yeah. And I think doing, I think when churches and bands do like their own take on a song and make it different, I think that that's really cool. And I, I, I really love to hear bands that do that. But what I don't think people realize is how much time and effort that takes. That takes an enormous amount of time for a band. First of all, your band has to be pretty, pretty well versed of playing together and feeding off one another and and coming up with parts together. But you would spend hours on a single song just coming up with an arrangement that sounds even close to as good as the original arrangement, you know, that's been written and recorded by by the original band. And in my experience, most churches don't have that much luxury of time. Right. And so I think it, it you have to make a choice, you know, what is what is most valuable right now? A rearranging this song, coming up with our own thing for it or uh getting through the whole, you know, rehearsals worth of songs and figuring out how we're going to transition from this point to this point. So, you know, and every church is going to be different and it, and so if, you know, if it's your church culture to do your own thing or do songs in a different style, then I think that's awesome, but I think you do need to understand that to do it well takes a lot of time. I agree with that. I 
What do you do in a situation where there's like maybe two electric guitar players? You know that you're playing electric guitar and someone else in the band is going to play electric guitar as well. How do you know what you're going to play versus what they're going to play and how all that's going to mess together? How do you prepare for that? Yeah. So um, a lot of times I'm the only player, the guitar player in the band. And I think a lot of people are in that situation, but there are many times where there's two of us, sometimes even three. And so for, I know a, a friend of mine named Caleb is playing this week. So, and so we'll, we'll talk about where are you playing on the neck? But I always think about it as where on the neck are you on your guitar? So you can approach it lead and rhythm. You can, and another way you can approach it for guitar players, for two electric guitar players is high and low. So if, if, you know, I'm going to stay above the fifth to, you know, five or seventh fret and up on the guitar, like all the voicings of everything I'm going to play are going to sit higher uh, there. And and then Caleb is going to stay playing lower. So he'll play maybe open chords or power chords or parts that are, you know, lower on the neck. And those two parts will have very different voicings. And if you listen to a lot of the, the w- another plug for uh, rehearsal mix, you'll often hear at least two guitar parts and you'll often hear these the way they arrange these songs is done that way so you'll have a big rhythm part that's lower on the neck so big you know power chords or open chords that sound huge and then you'll have chord voicings of those same chords being played higher on the neck uh, and it just really adds and makes it sound really big and full and they don't step on each other. How much do you consider like what guitar you're going to play based mm. on what, you know, where you are going to be on the neck? If you're going to be the guy playing rhythm or playing more chords, does that affect what guitar you bring to the venue? I, you know, not really. I have a lot of, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a lot of guitars to choose from here at Worship Tutorials. Would your wife say that you're really blessed to have a lot of guitars? Uh, you know, my wife and I, um, <laughs> yeah, she's totally, she's fine with it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's what happened. Uh, I bought a Martin D35. This was about maybe 10 years ago. And I put it on a credit card because I played it in the shop and I just had to have it. I didn't have the money. And so we're going in a different direction here. <laughs> and uh, this was when I lived in Oklahoma. And I uh, I played it. I fell in love with it. It's a great guitar. I still have it. And I put it on a credit card. And, and then I told my wife. Mm-hmm. And she was not happy about that. <laughs> and so that was the last time I ever bought a guitar with money that I didn't have ready to pay for it. And the end result is you're still married. I am still married. Oh yes, I'm mar- I have I, I got lucky in the wife department. So, <laughs> so when you're uh, we, when you're there at rehearsal, whatever, let's mm-hmm. talk about your in ear mix because I think that it like is setting up your in ear mix is not a skill that seems like it, yeah. I think we think it's natural. Like we know what good music sounds like. We're just gonna like dial things in, but yeah, it is a skill to kind of master, especially when you're trying to figure out. Okay, I, I need obviously I need to be able to hear myself but I need to hear less of this or more than, than this. Like when you're putting together your mix or working with a monitor engineer to, to do that, like what, what are you looking for in your mix and how do you utilize that so that you play to the best of your ability? I actually did a Sunday vlog. I do a Sunday vlog series at worst tutorials where I take you behind the scenes at my church. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. And I often will, will take a topic on these videos and, and talk about it. And I'll have different people sort of speak into this topic from their, from their, you know, experience and, and that people that know a lot about it. So, uh, 
I a few weeks ago I uploaded a video about exactly this about what I do for my in ear mix and sort of best practices to setting up an in ear mix from different perspectives. Whether you're playing, I I I talked about it from the perspective of a, a a musician playing an instrument, like for my in my case guitar. Fuller talked about it from the perspective of a worship leader. What do you want to hear in your ears if you're leading worship? And then uh, our audio engineer talked about some some tips for sound people uh, as far as setting up the board for you know people's in ear mix. So what I do, and in that video, you actually can hear my in ear mix all throughout the video because I recorded it. That's awesome, and we're going to put that in the show notes so you can check that out. Oh, thank you. So what I like to hear uh, if if I'm coming at it with uh, from a guitar player. Um, I like the rhythm section. The first thing I do is is pull up my guitar because a lot of times people will say I can't hear myself. Everything I my, I'm turned up all the way, everybody else is low and I still can't hear myself, which is a gain staging problem, which we addressed in that video. So the first thing I'll do is pull my guitar up so that it's comfortable that I can hear it really well or whatever instrument you have. The next thing I'll do is pull the click track up so I can hear that. And from there so I have guitar and click and those are going to be maybe the primary things I hear, depending on how you like your click track. Uh, next, I'll b- bring all the drums and the bass up because the rhythm section is important to me. Uh, guitar can be a rhythm instrument as well as a melodic instrument, so I need to hear that. And then I'll bring the other instruments up as well. So usually I've got some keys, some acoustic guitar. If there's another guitar player in the band and I'm playing guitar, uh, I really need to be able to hear what they're doing because it's important to know what the other instrument. Well, it's important to know what everyone's doing, uh, so to know how you fit. But specifically, if there's another, you know, of your same instrument, like if you have two keys players, two guitar players, you need to hear the other one. And uh, background vocals, I don't bring up as much as a guitar player. Uh, I usually like to hear the lead vocal, so I can hear what's happening in the song. But the thing about in your mix is if if you bring too much stuff up too you know too high it gets really muddy especially if you're in a mono mix and a lot of people are are in a mono ear mix and and I am at my church and so you really have to be careful as far as clarity goes and there's a few other tips too for in your mixes like and we talk about it in the video like if if you can set your your mix up so that the the things you hear are post effects that means that the sound person has applied EQ and compression to those channels and you hear the EQ and compression that they've applied. It'll clean things up a lot. You want to be pre-fader though. So your sound person moving the faders doesn't affect what you hear. Yes. Um, but yeah. And so as a worship leader, uh, Fuller talked about this in the video cause he was leading worship that week. Um, you really want to hear as much as possible because you, if most worship leaders double as band directors, whether that's in your title or you think that's what you are or not, you're the person in charge of how the music sounds. So you are therefore a band director and you need to be able to hear what your band is doing, what your vocalists are doing so that if, if you hear something that's not right, you can address it and give direction to people. And so if you can't hear what other people are doing, like if you're, if say you're singing and playing acoustic guitar, if you, those two instruments are drowning everything else out, that's not necessarily a good thing because you need to be able to hear if somebody's, you know, playing the wrong chord or progression or something, or the band is doing something they shouldn't be doing in a certain spot. So, um, 
Fuller talks about having a mix that sounds more like a radio edit. So it's like you want to hear the song as it's recorded. And so you can sort of set your mix up to do that. So you hear a little bit of everything. Uh, so those, those are some tips. And I, and I tried to do that when I, uh, when I lead worship, I try and f- uh, come at it from more of that approach. Switching gears. Okay. So a lot of these newer worship songs are a little bit more EDM style where they're leaning way heavy yeah. on keyboard sounds, which all the keyboard players are like, finally, I can get <laughs> off this pad. But for the guitar players, sometimes I feel like guitar players are struggling to figure out like what to do because, you know, I, you know, they're used to something like God is able from like, I don't know, five or 10 years ago where it has the little guitar lick. Like you have like the licks and all these different things. And now, now the licks are going to the keyboard player. So if you're in a worship band where you're doing a song, like let's take elevation worship echo, like how do you approach something like that where you're not the lead? You don't sound like you too. You don't sound like Coldplay. It's a, it's, it's a different flavor. Yeah, and actually, we've started playing Echo at my church. Uh, we've been playing it for a while now. But I remember when we first scheduled it, I was like, what am I playing in this song? And so I listened to Rehearsal Mix. Man, I'm plugging them a lot. Multitracks needs to... Let, let's let talk. Let's reach out to one another. We can help each other. <laughs> my kids need... You know, I was going to say diapers, but your kids are older than that. <laughs> and so uh, there are pretty prominent guitar parts in that song, in Echo. So you might be one. You might be surprised to find that there are parts in these songs that you don't think there are because the synth or the keys takes takes leads in these songs. Um, so Echo has like a funk rhythm guitar through the whole thing, and it plays some a few licks here and there, like in the pre-chorus. So that's what I play on Echo. Now th- there's a interesting point on a lot of songs that, like you say, are, are where. A lot of it is synth parts that take lead that that are the melodic lead parts musically of the song. If if you don't have a a play a, a keys player who can do that with with the appropriate sounds, which that's a pretty difficult thing, especially for uh, a piano player who's used to playing piano, or maybe you have a keyboard that has like three sounds: a piano sound, an organ sound, and a pad sound, right? And now you need this like synth to play uh, a lead part and a very specific sounding synth they are and so if you play it on you know piano it's not going to sound right and now if you're if you're a tech savvy person on keys and and you get main stage and you you can download build patches or whatever to to mimic these sounds that's one thing but if you don't and your church is it has nobody who can play the synth part appropriately and you don't use like tracks to to get it which my church will use tracks often to get it to get those sounds um actually what you can do as an electric guitar player a lot of times synth leads and electric guitar leads can sort of fill the same sonic space a great example of that is the song uh this is amazing grace I think most people think that that lead, the intro part, most people think that's a lead guitar part, and it's not. It's a synth part. The guitar part in that song is actually way different, and nobody ever really hears it on This Is Amazing Grace. But most when that song came out, it was kind of before all the whole synth thing, the EDM thing was really as big, right? And so I think what a lot of people did was they either assumed that was a guitar part and just played it on guitar, which is 
um, kind of what I did when I first heard it. Or they said, We're, we don't really have a, a, a keys player to be able to play that part like it is, so let's just have our guitar player play it on guitar, and it sounds pretty much the same. Uh, you can do that. So that's a great practical example of how you can take a synth part and translate it to electric guitar. But if your keyboard player is covering all that stuff or it's in the tracks and you're like, okay, so now what? A lot of times I find that the electric guitar becomes a rhythm instrument. Like It is. How you lock in with the drums. I mean, I've always approached how I play my acoustic guitar. I always tell people I don't want to hear it. In the mix, I just want to feel it, mm-hmm. and I feel like in a song like you know a lot of this young and free and and all that. Yeah, the electric guitar kind of becomes a melodic tambourine of some sorts. It, it it is. You need a you need a you need a strat for one. Yes, you need a two or four position so you get that funky uh, out of phase thing, and then you just play like funk chords. That's really what your funk rhythm parts. That's that's what a lot of those things are. That's what you do in echo too. That's what all you're playing. So really lock in with your rhythms. Exactly right. You become a rhythm, more of a rhythm player than a lead player. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian Wall, are you ready now for the bonus round? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's bring it on. <laughs> you, I like how you're like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> You're like me. It's like it's like there's just like it's just a limited dynamic range of emotion. I'm uh, I have a compressor on me, pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could say that I'm Dave. I'm like at a uh, like if a hundred is the most excited I've ever been in my life. I'm probably at a ninety six right now. All right, Brian Wall, <laughs> are you excited? Are you ready for the bonus round? I can't even believe how excited I am right now, Dave. <laughs> I am ready. Let's do it. All right. Coming at you in three, two, one. Coffee or tea? Coffee. No question. No question. Yes. Yeah, Stoke, cold brew, coffee. That's it. That's the only That's the only way to go. Early riser or night owl? Oh, night owl. No, it like, yeah. I have to set my alarm to wake up at noon. I believe that 1,000%. <laughs> yeah. Favorite TV or Netflix show? Mm, favorite TV show, hands down, Seinfeld. Favorite Netflix show, easily uh, The Office. Those are my two favorite TV shows of all time. Cat or dog? Uh, I grew up with dogs in my life, and uh, my wife is a cat person, so therefore I'm now a cat person. <laughs> I would not I would not want a dog, though. I, I, I would pick cat over dog at this point. It's way lower maintenance. in and out or Chick-fil-A? Uh, can I throw in a, a third? Can I vote third party here? Sure. Can I write a candidate in? And I'm gonna call it. <laughs> I'm gonna call it cookout. Is this the libertarian no, like, yeah. option? <laughs> no. Here's the thing. Chick Fil A is the Christian chicken, right? That's the thing, right? Right. And I am on a mission to say there's a, there's a chain of restaurant of fast food places here on the East Coast called Cookout, and uh, it's burgers and things. They have a, a what's called a cookout tray. Get this. You get a burger and two sides and a drink for $5. But your two sides, your sides can be a corn dog. Like corn dog can be a side. Uh, you can get a quesadilla. as So you get a cheeseburger, a quesadilla, and a corn dog and a drink as your combo meal. That's fantastic. And the food is delicious. And they write Bible verses on every cup. So I'm on a mission to say... That uh, cookout needs to dethrone Chick Fil A as like the Christian place to eat. 
All right. I, I, I'm, I'm on, on board. Step one, need to move to the East, the East Coast. Coast. Yeah. Martin or Taylor? Uh, Martin. Crunchy or creamy? Peanut butter? Creamy. Oh, no question. Creamy. What are some of your musical influences that might surprise people? You got you. Uh, so it's embarrassing for me to say that I almost only listen to uh, like the stuff that I cover for worship tutorials and what I'm playing in church. So I'm like very deep ingrained into the praise and worship genre. Like that's pretty much all I listen to. I did. I'll tell you this though. I did have a, a good friend of mine who leads worship at my church. I said, "Make me a modern pop country playlist," because I grew up in Oklahoma and I actually hated country music all of my upbringing. But I do appreciate the fact that like these country artists write really good songs and the production is really well done. And so he did on Spotify. And he's like, "Here's your modern country playlist." It started because I heard uh, "The Highway Don't Care" by Tim McGraw. Right. That song is phenomenal. I was like, I need more of this in my life. And so he did. And I, and I was, uh, like I would, I would go for runs and stuff and listen to it. And I tell you, I sent him a text message. I said, Bryce, I said, this is like 30 songs and every single one of them, like 100% accurately describes my childhood. So <laughs> like I grew up in a small town in Northwest Oklahoma. Every single country song is written about something that actually happened either to me or to a good friend of mine. That's amazing. So you didn't even yeah. know that you needed this in your life. I and, did. And you I was have like, it. Man, it just took me back. I was like, God, I'm going to start to cry. <laughs> That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the bonus round. Give it up for Brian. All right. That was good. Yes. I enjoyed it. All right. I want to ask you a question. And this might be, this might be, we're on the same page, or this might be something where. Uh, we're on polar opposites. And are you okay if, I, if we open up a can of something that yeah, sure. we, at, at the end of it, we might disagree and it's okay and no one's going to get killed? Yeah, no problem. My, my most viewed videos are on the things that are super controversial. Okay, so I want to talk about a controversial video that I did. So I I did a lot of like tours of like various, here's our drums, here's our front of house. I did that. I did one video where I gave a tour of our guitar position and the equipment that we had for our guitars. And in that video, I mentioned that we had at least at the church I was at, we had a church amp and we had a church pedal board and our guitar players, they would bring their own guitars because you switch out guitars. I know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Different guitars, you know, are needed for different songs, but you played our backline. You played our pedal board and our amp. And so, and I knew that this would be a soft spot and I knew there was a particular Facebook group that if they ever got their hands on it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And it took about a week and a half and someone found it and posted it and 323 (laughs) comments later. Oh my goodness. I think it got shut down, but like it, it is, it's one of the most popular videos on my channel, but the like to dislike ratio is considerably closer together than on anything else so which doesn't affect your standing in the youtube algorithm by the way no it doesn't dislikes don't matter any press is good press but so in that kind of situation because there's a lot of people that would say you know my gear is a part of my expression it's 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 my comfort level so if you were playing at my church and i said that's great brian i need you to play this pedal board and this amp what's your thought on that well (laughs) I'll start with a with a with a rough statement and then I'll back it up with something else. <laughs> okay. I would hate it personally because I have invested 
many hours into uh, my rig, whether it's whether I'm using and I use all in one stuff. I use the Helix or I use the the Fractal Axe FX three. Those are the two things I use. And I program every song so that I hit a button and it gets the verse sound. I hit another button. It gets the chorus sound. I hit, you know, for each song. And so for me to have to use uh, pedals that I'm not familiar with would be difficult as a guitar player. But I will say this on the flip side, if I'm a worship leader, uh, it would take one person bringing in their, you know, Mesa Boogie triple rectifier and, you know, metal zone because they're, they're a fan of that style of music trying to play like a Hillsong song or Bethel. And it ju- just sounds completely out of context and terrible uh, in that, in that context. Um, I don't, I don't want to say that if that's what you play, that it sounds bad. It's just not right for this style of music. It would take that happening about once for me to say, I've got to have something in place so that, that things are standardized. And so we do the same at my church, kind of. We have a backline. We have two Kempers that people can plug into that we have selected the profiles. And so they sound, you know, they sound great. And it's consistency because consistency is really important. And so on that note, I really, um, I feel both sides. I, I understand why both sides feel the way they do. And as a, in le- if I were in leadership, so what my church does is, uh, if we have a guitar player that we onboard, um, I, th- I, I, I'm not sure about this, but I think the way the process would work is, um, is we ask them about what they play. We tell them what's available. And, and I think we, we, we will suggest that they use our stuff if their stuff isn't going to sound like we want it to sound, which kind of sounds pretentious maybe in a way. Like that's the rub people have. It's like you're not letting people be artistic, but people at the end of the day have to realize that if your guitar player playing in church is not about you at all. It's about one. It's about serving the song that you're playing and the vision that the church has and the worship leader has for the music. Ultimately, it's about pointing people to Jesus and the tone that we have. Um, honestly needs to fit into that. And so if it if if the way that we play and the way our stuff sounds takes people out of that uh, it pulls people, you know, it distracts people from connecting with what we're doing, then you need to make a change. And in that case, I think having a church who has a backline that's consistent that you always plug into uh, is a good thing. Yeah, and it's it's funny how so I'm at you know when that video was out I was at a different church I'm at a new church now and so when you come to a new place you get to kind of hit reset on some things yeah and so at my current place we have people that are bringing in their own stuff a majority of our players bring in their own amps and they bring their own their own pedal boards and all that we have a couple of things that are available but that got started at my other church because i had two or three players that were great that had no gear yeah nothing whether it be like you know like a great kid uh in the youth group that just you know doesn't have any money to spend on it um or in or even there was even some adults. And so we had that. And, and you're right. There was just a couple of times where people would come in with the wrong gear or <laughs> something that was like completely loud and noisy. And it's like, no, I think I know that this is going to work. And and so I, I've kind of backpedaled on that. But I will say as a drummer, I've walked into many churches where they say, nope, you're going to play our drums. And I'm like, why is that any different? 
Uh, so you're a drummer. I didn't know that about you. My main instrument, my first instrument is a, is is drums. And it's true. You think about it. It's like vocalists don't get to bring their own microphones. Most of them don't have them. But if they did, they don't get to. Drummers don't get to bring their own kit. Uh, in fact, we have a rule at my church. We have a drummer who who tries to bring a snare drum in every once in a while, and uh, I've seen I've seen people stop him saying, "Hey, uh, we're you know we're not doing that <laughs> because and and for us it's like everything's mic'd and tuned and the whole board is is set for that specific snare and it's just a time thing. We don't have time to redo everything. But you're right, keyboards don't bring their own key, uh, keys. Players don't bring their own keyboards. Guitar players are are really the only, and bass players don't bring their own rig. They usually just plug into whatever's there. Yeah. Um, whether that's direct or an amp or whatever. So you're right. Guitar players are the only position in the church, typically, who bring their own things. That's interesting. And I think it's there's a little mix of there is a comfort, I'll even use the word intimate level with, like, you know where those buttons are on your pedal board. Uh, you know, your snare drum is going to be in the same spot, whether it's your kit or someone else's kit. I'll say, too, if I w- if I went to a new church and I auditioned and they were like, hey, you're going to play through this rig, I would say, OK. And then I might send them an email and say, what if I sounded like this and send them some worship tutorials videos or, you know, <laughs> would that be OK? Can I bring this? <laughs> All right. Final question. We've talked a lot about a lot of practical nitty gritties and things like that and nailing parts on how to get certain sounds. At the end of the day, you're leading worship. Yes. You may not have a microphone. You not might not be be singing, but you are, in fact, leading worship. So how what does that look like for you? Like, how are you leading worship or worshiping personally with this guitar that's in your hands? What does that look like for Brian Wall? Yeah. Um that's a great question uh, because sta- stage presence is a big thing, and uh, the what what is written on your face will tell people. Or what I like to say this: what you do on stage and what you do with your body communicates to the congregation what is an appropriate response in worship at your church. So, if you never raise your hands, it communicates to the congregation we don't raise our hands here. If you don't clap, it communicates we don't clap here. If you don't smile, it communicates you don't smile here during worship. The worship, this is not a place where we're full of joy. Um, and if you don't sing, so if you're a guitar player and you don't sing, uh, or if you're an instrumentalist and you don't sing, it communicates, oh, okay, nobody, not everyone needs to sing here because these guys aren't, you know, obviously. And the thing is, is you don't really know what you look like until you see yourself in vi- on video. So if, if you're listening to this and you've never seen yourself during a worship service, stick an iPhone in the back or something and just film the worship and watch yourself. The first time I saw myself, I was shocked because I looked angry and I didn't and I wasn't angry. I was very I was having a lot of fun, but I didn't look like it. And so um, you need to make a conscious effort to look engaged. And that looks different for different people. And I always say too, don't, don't fake, like make it, you, you kind of, if you're not, if you're a, a, I'm a no sudden movements person, that's what I always say about myself. So practically what I do if I'm playing guitar, one, you got to learn the parts well enough that you're not glued to a music stand. That's a whole different line of conversation we could go down. If you're glued to a music stand, it tells people that, can I make a controversial statement? Sure. You, I just did. If you're glued to a music stand, what it tells people is this band doesn't care enough to learn their music to play it well enough so they don't have to stare at music. 
That's what it tells people, in my opinion. And you can direct those comments to worshiptutorials.com. <laughs> There's no engagement when you're doing that if you're just staring at a music stand, right? No, I agree. I agree. My band has has music stands like on a little iPad, yeah. but we keep it really small. And it's like, like you said, like you still need to be engaged enough in the song and know that song and have it internalized enough where that's there as just a what if. Yeah, sure. But... I need to see your face. And we and we have confidence monitors at my church. So if you look up in the back, you can see the lyrics and things, right? Right. And, but right. but the congregation can tell if you're even in a room, a large room, they can tell if you're reading lyrics. Like they know. It's not hard to see that. Um so you have to know the music or know the words well enough that you can execute the technical parts of the song. And not like be staring at your fingers, staring at a music stand, looking down at your pedal board if you're a guitar player. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is I like to um, look at the congregation. I like to see, I like to engage with the congregation. I think that's important. Not in a weird, creepy way. And the way it's not weird and creepy is you, you sing, you do what they're doing as much as you can. I, like, I try to sing the words of the song and uh, smile. And the other thing that that is uh, is good to do, I think, for a musician is feel free to engage with the other members of the band. So I play with a bass player a lot. His name is Angelo, and he loves to like walk around on stage because we're all he has wireless pack, and so he'll walk around and he'll come over and play next to you, you know. And it's fun, like you're having fun, you're engaging with this other person, and people will feed off of that energy, and it, I think it draws people in. Um, there, there will be people who say what you're doing is, is putting on a performance and that's what it's all about. And they can think that if they want and they're wrong, but, um, what you're doing is you're enjoying the fact it's that I think that's part of worshiping and that's part of being full of joy, part of being engaged in the song. I think that helps draw people in. Now it's all dependent upon the culture of your church, sort of what's appropriate on stage. But again, I think remembering what we do on stage communicates what is an appropriate response in worship at our church. And I stole that from something I heard somewhere, but I think that's a powerful statement. And just remember to smile, sing, engage, look at people. Again, not creepy way look at people, but you know, just uh, if you if you have your eyes closed the whole time, some people do that, um, and that that might feel appropriate for certain songs, you know, too. But Um, I like to be able to see what's happening and be able to feed off that energy. So back to that whole Brian Wall not liking Christmas songs thing. We obviously pre-recorded these interviews. And since we recorded that, I saw on Facebook the other day where Brian was making a tutorial video on that Jeremy Riddle version of Joy to the World, which he says that he likes a lot. So He's up to three. He's up to three Christmas songs that he likes. Something that Worship Tutorials has that we've mentioned before when Brian Fuller was a guest on the podcast is the Worship Manual. It's an online course that includes over 50 videos and almost nine hours of content. It's all the experience and tips and tricks and life lessons that both Brian Wall and Fuller 
have gained over the years, and it's all in one place. So if you're looking to invest in yourself as a worship leader and a leader of a ministry as we start off another year, this resource is fantastic. If you want to check it out, I'll put a link to the worship manual in the show notes. And then there's, of course, all of the free content that they upload to YouTube with the Sunday vlog and the Worship Leader Wednesday and all the guitar tutorial videos. For all the links, the show notes are at Practical Worship Blog dot com slash podcast 21 to everyone that has made it this far into the podcast you should take a moment and do this take a screenshot and share it on social media i love seeing where you guys are at and what you're doing and not only is it cool knowing that you're listening it's fun to know when you're listening and how you're listening and what you're doing while you're listening and when you share it tag me in it by using at dave dolphin Okay, and thanks to everyone that has written honest five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. A special shout-out to KCG4738, who just left this review of the podcast. Dave does an amazing job interviewing and producing this show. Great for all worship leaders. Download it, subscribe, share it with your worship leader friends now. KCG, I I love your enthusiasm and your urgency. Thank you for saying that. The reason that I mentioned the reviews and the ratings on iTunes is because the number one podcast player is through iTunes in the iOS app, and iTunes ranks podcasts with this system. The more reviews and ratings that it has, the more that iTunes is going to suggest that podcast to other people that have similar interests. So it is a way for more people to hear about the podcast and to benefit from this content. And if you're listening to this on Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, you're beautiful humans too. Thank you for checking this out. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin. Merry Christmas. And let's do this again next year. Yes, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that very much, Dave. Thank you.